Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guests, Wilma Komenat, Regional Director of the Pacific Northwest Region for the Lupus Foundation of America, and Michelle Morrison, a young woman living with this disease, lupus. To be clear, living with any disease is not desirable, but living with lupus seems like it's in some special category for a number of reasons, all of which I believe we're going to hear about this morning. And the critical thing here is information, education, as well as an opportunity to take action to have more research done. So let's get right to it and meet Wilma Komenat and Michelle Morrison. Good morning and a big welcome to Wilma Komenat and Michelle Morrison. It's wonderful to have both of you with us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having yes, us. Thank you. I'm really appreciative, and I believe our listeners will be too, because this word lupus is either very foreign-sounding or perhaps a little intimidating, or we just have no idea what is that. And that's why we're here this morning, because this is going to be very informational and invitational, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun, because Aside from Michelle being the one who deals with the disease, you look radiant. So, you know, (laughs) I kind of wonder, in fact, you know, if that perhaps makes it difficult to deal with having lupus is because you look marvelous. Yeah, it's a hidden gem, I think. I mean, we hide it well. And the best thing about it is you wouldn't know that that I have lupus. You wouldn't be like, oh, you know, she has lupus. No, you would you know, we have it and we hide it well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that being the case, and we'll get a little more into what that's really like for you, Michelle. But Wilma, yeah. as really running the organization here in the Northwest, you can give us a little insight then on lupus because it's a disease, but Michelle looks so great. Yeah, so, yeah. it's true. <laughs> it right? is true. And, you know, earlier you were saying that lupus is a little bit of a, a mystery, and that is true. So two out of three people really cannot articulate what lupus is. So really what lupus is is a chronic autoimmune disease. So that basically means the immune system is out of balance, causing it to become destructive to any tissue or organ in the body. So the result is kind of inflammation, pain, damage to various parts of the body, which can include the skin, joints, heart, kidney, and brain. I will say that lupus is not contagious, so you can't catch it from somebody, which so, is kind of a it's kind of a myth. That people think they could catch it. Yes. It's a preconceived notion. It's something that people always just seem to have in their head. Um, Michelle and I were talking out in the lobby. She actually said yeah, it was <laughs> some of so her friends. Funny. I was like, oh, I, you know, I can't drink out of your water. You know, I don't want to get lupus. I'm like, what? <laughs> is that how you think it's like, you know, transmitted? Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like it Wilma said, it's the knowledge that people don't know what it is. And I mean, to be honest with you, when I first heard about it, I didn't know what it was either. And then... I quickly learned. <laughs> yes, all of a sudden you know. Hey, the you better know what this is. You got it. And I was like, okay, let's do my research. <laughs> so that being the case, Wilma, mm-hmm. you can tell us, and Michelle will, I think, add to this, but tell us, how does someone then get lupus? Yeah, so we quite don't exactly know what the cause or causes are for lupus. However, we do believe that genetic and environmental factors uh, play a role in its development. So efforts are underway to identify the genes that may make a person susceptible to the disease. 
However, researchers still have yet to identify uh, a gene or a set of genes um, to be the cause of the disease. Some of the environmental factors um, that may trigger the disease are infections, UV light, extreme stress, hormones, um, antibiotics, and sometimes even certain medications. And when you mentioned hormones and when I read hormones, I think it kind of had this arrow pointing more so to women. And that's- It is. It is. Yeah. Um, so 90% of the people with lupus are women, um, which is kind of a staggering fact. Um, and also, in addition to that, women of color in particular are susceptible to the disease. So... It occurs two to three times more frequently among African-American, Asian, Hispanic, and Native American women, more so than Caucasian women. And lupus tends to affect uh, women when they're between the ages of 15 and 44. And that surprised me, too. It is. It's a childbearing years. Yes. And for something to develop at such a young age Mm -hmm. as a teenager. So actually, what age were you, Michelle? So I had my first flare-up in 2012, and I was 19. Um, But it was just like I was explaining to Wilma in the hallway, it was like an atomic bomb just went off in my body that we were unsure of what it was. And like she mentioned with genetics, my grandmother passed away of scleroderma. So right off the bat, you know, when we heard you have an autoimmune disease, you know, being my dad's mom, he was like, oh, my God, like what, what's happening? Like he's like kind of replaying everything in his head. And then um, over time it was just kind of like, Okay, now I'm just being heavily medicated. And then I had another flare-up, which hospitalized me again for 10 days in 2015. But until I started to show those symptoms, until I started to feel like actually explain to my doctor what exactly was happening, I got tested for lupus, and I came positive for lupus. But from 2012 to 2015, I also got tested for lupus several times, but I just never showed the symptoms. And I was actually negative all those times. So I was like, lupus, I, I know of this name because I've, checked my blood work and I have gotten tested for it before and I was like it can't be that I was and I'm you know to say it we were kind of hell-bent on the scleroderma because my grandmother passed away of it so it just only made sense and then we found out when I was actually in the hospital my chest was like I was my heart rate was going down I was swollen like my joints were killing me and they're like sweetie you have lupus and I was like oh and like most people would be upset I mean I granted After it sunk in, I was devastated. But at the same time, I was so happy to just have an answer because I went three and a half years with nothing and being heavily medicated. I'm like, I don't even know what I have. I was telling her I had those prescriptions or that box of medication for Monday, for the pill box for Monday through Sunday, (laughs) but the one that was like for the whole month because my medicine wouldn't fit in the little square. (laughs) So like, imagine going to a restaurant, like, excuse me, I just have to take my medication and you plop it out and everyone's like, what's wrong with this girl? And I'm like, great. I I don't know. If you can tell me, that'd be great. So it was a mystery once again for a long time until you start to show symptoms, then then it makes more sense. But you're kind of blind to it. And I feel frightened, actually, thinking of you taking all those medications, but not being clear on what's going on. So they're addressing different little things, but maybe it's not a good thing taking all those medications. And I was 19 at the time. So, you know, I was was still a kid. So when I got the hospital my dad's like my parents like you know you got to take this like make sure you you listen to this and I'm sitting here I'm like gabapentin Zantac Zyrtec Benadryl I'm like I'm taking four antihistamines I'm taking a nerve medication and then I got to the point where I kept going to the same doctor and she was just medicating me and medicating me but I was like what do I have we don't know 
we don't know. So I was like, you know what? Let me get a second opinion. Yes. And until I got the second opinion, which I highly recommend a second and third, I was really frustrated with my dental hygiene because I was 20 years old. And every time I went to the dentist, I had a new cavity. And I was like, I floss, I brush my teeth, I mouthwash. How do I have cavities? And my sisters make fun of me because they don't have one. And I have like eight now at this time with 12. So I was like, what's going on? And then I went to my doctor and I just said that because I'm like, it's expensive. Like, what's going on? Yes. And they're like, have you ever gotten tested for Sjogren's syndrome? And I'm like, no, I don't even know what that is. I can't even spell it. <laughs> so then I got tested for Sjogren's syndrome and I came back positive for A and B. And they were like, okay, now you got to go to a rheumatologist. Because I was at that time, the second opinion I saw was an immunologist um, back in Jersey. And then I went to a rheumatologist, explained to her my new symptoms that I was having. And like I was telling her, I was very blind to everything. So being a girl from the Jersey Shore, I <laughs> being going to school at Monmouth University a mile from the beach, I was in the sun all the time. I was, you know, SPF four. I didn't know anything above SPF four. <laughs> I'm also half Cuban, so it was very natural for me to be tan all the time. <laughs> and next thing I know, it was, you know, I was always tired. And I was like, isn't everybody tired when they go to the beach? I was very sensitive to the light and I had a rash that came out. My mom and I were like, hey, look, it looks like I'm wearing a mask. Nothing clicked in our head that it was these symptoms. And when I went to the doctor, the third doctor, the rheumatologist, she's like, what symptoms are you having? I'm like, I'm extremely tired. Like that fatigue just really gets me. And I will say I was also a D1 athlete. So to be very active and to have a tight schedule and constantly be on the go. If I vacuumed, I was exhausted. If I went to the grocery store, I was like holding on to the cart because I just wanted to fall asleep. So I was like, this isn't normal and this isn't like me. What's going on? And then I was losing a lot of hair and I'm making excuses for myself thinking, I just need a haircut. Mm -hmm. And like in the shower, I'm like, wow, like I feel like I could put my hair on a Barbie doll. Like what's going on? And then the rash was like the huge, huge cherry on top. And she's like, okay. And then within weeks, she came back and she's like, you have lupus. And I was like, okay, is that it? And she's like, well, you have Sjogren's syndrome. And unfortunately with lupus, I, I, I've met a few people who have lupus. They don't just have lupus. They have a few other autoimmune diseases. So I think I have a total of three for right now. Um, one being antiphospholipid syndrome, which kind of came off to me like lupus when I first heard it first. I was like, what is this? So lupus is kind of like the big question mark that everyone has and then everything kind of just came through but until I started to show symptoms that's when it came out like you have lupus and I know people who go years being undiagnosed so I was super happy to just have an answer and to be like okay this is a medicine I'm taking because I have lupus and I've been fine ever since and since moving out here I've been the healthiest I've been and it's great. So we're hoping that the environment yeah. of the Northwest is perhaps <laughs> an area where where people can feel uh, stronger dealing with this. Is It's a disease, right? Not yes. a condition. It's it a is disease. a disease, yes. Yes. And Wilma, working with the Lupus Foundation here, you, of course, meet many people who are having to live with this disease. And are, are they similar to Michelle, or is it, is it right like a full gamut of... It runs the gamut. Yeah. Um, you know, I met a young lady yesterday who was diagnosed actually when she was two or three years old. Um, but she's now 29 um, and is living a healthy life. And then I also know some people that are in their 60s and 70s and they were diagnosed when they were in their 20s. Um, and lupus is, is a big mystery. So it has so many different manifestations. 
Um, you know, you can stick two people, two uh, people that have lupus in the same room, and they can have completely different symptoms, have a completely different set of medications. Um, it is just mm -hmm. so different, and that's what makes it really challenging to diagnose in the first place. Yeah. And I'm hopeful, though, listening to what you said, Michelle, even though it took really a long time, but there's a greater awareness and you're sharing this, you know, to get several people, several doctors offering their diagnosis that you'll, in that case, come up with an answer. Yeah. And I know, like Boma just said, when, you know, you can be in a room with several different people who have lupus, and I actually was, and... You know, I kind of recently just decided to get really involved with the Lupus Foundation of America, obviously, because it has an impact to me. And I went to a event in Seattle and I was sitting in a room with like probably 13 to 15 people who had lupus. And I've never done that before. So I had kind of had no idea what I was getting myself into. But I was kind of like, this is great because I never really met anyone else who has lupus or who can relate. And I'm sitting in the room and I was like nervous in a way because... I'm hearing these stories and I'm saying, I don't have that. I'm not on that. I, I didn't have that blood transfusion. I didn't have that organ fail. So it was alarming to me as a lupus patient who's like, this could happen, but mm -hmm. everyone's story was different. Everyone's. Everyone's medication. I'm like, like, it was alarming to me. I mean, in a good way, but I'm like, you know, it was nice to kind of be with other people who can relate. Because like I said, when I tell my friends, I'm like, I can't go out. I'm, I'm really tired. Oh, come on. Just stop being a baby. Like, you can sleep all day tomorrow. I'm like, no, you don't get it. I'm really tired. I'm a little swollen. And if I go out and, you know, go out late and come back home and forget it, if you know, if I have a drink or two, I'm really swollen. So then it's like, it's just not worth it. I'm like, I'd rather just stay home. <laughs> it sounds like, uh, well, first of all, listening to your own body and what it's telling you, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of the questions that we have here is that what's the one thing I can say as far yes. as having lupus and it's a hundred percent listening to your body and I can say until I'm blue in the face and I know my father will be jumping for joy <laughs> because I'm saying this but since I was a kid he's like listen to your body listen to your body mm -hmm. and I was like whatever yeah I got it like sure I'm listening to my body I'm going out I'm doing this I'm going in the sun I'm, but don't worry I'm listening to it yeah. but until like I got really sick and it was hey you're an adult now <laughs> And then at the same time, you're paying for these bills. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> and then it's like really listening to your body because I was so blind to it and so blind to and making excuses for myself. And it's like if you just kind of step back and say, like, hey, this rash, this rash is a sign of something. Look into it. But being the mystery that lupus was, we didn't in my household, we didn't know what it was. We just knew what scleroderma was. But then when it got told, like, hey, you have lupus, then my whole family was like, this is what it is. This is how you, you know, this is how you have to live your life and minor adjustments. Okay, you can't be in the sun anymore. Big deal. And I'm like, that's a big deal. But I'm like, okay, it's really not because, I mean, like I said, I'm way healthier here than I was on the East Coast. And even my doctor um, at Virginia Mason, he was like, I'm not surprised that you say you feel better that you're here. A lot of people who come from the East to the West do or Pacific Northwest do because you're not in the sun as much. And point being that I've, I've been here for a year now, not in the sun as much. It's made a huge difference. Was that actually in your mind when you moved here, or were, no. were there totally other conditions for moving here? Um, totally other conditions for moving here. Um, it just kind of worked in my favor, I mm -hmm. think. Um, and also just the fact that you know, I I did one of those leap of faith. Like I kind of just packed my car with what fit and moved out with my boyfriend, and we were like, 
no job. My parents like <laughs> about to have a heart attack. But the one thing they said, they're like, just find a doctor. Yes. They don't care if I didn't have a job. They're like, you need to find a doctor. Like your health is the number one. And I'm listening to your body. So they were very, very nervous. I think they won't, they'll say it now, but at the time they were like, just let her go. But mm-hmm. um, just listening to your body is the most thing. And like I said, when people are like, let's go out, I'm like, you need to listen to your body. And if you're tired, just rest. And I can't like talk about enough how much rest really helps because if you're stressed, if you're exhausted, if you're just swollen, rest, get your sleep. And you know, my boyfriend, I'm like, I need to sleep. He's like, you slept for 18 hours. I'm like, I need that sleep. <laughs> but it, it does you really need to listen to your body at all times and it'll be in your favor in the end. Yes. <laughs> so Wilma, as we listen to the story in this, it crosses the gamut of people that are affected, but largely women are affected. Yes. Uh, it's interesting to always know, do we know someone that, you know, is kind of in the, you know, in the magazines, in the media that, it deals with lupus. Yeah, there are a couple of celebrities, high-profile celebrities that do have lupus. A um, couple people that come to mind are Selena Gomez and Nick Cannon. And actually, this past September, Selena Gomez's best friend donated her kidney, which helped save Selena's life from lupus. And in both instances, again, it's that situation of seeing this, these two individuals and you never think that they're dealing with some kind of serious illness in their life. Although more recently I saw a picture of Selena and she, I guess I would say, looked puffy. And that is now, when I think back to that, it's probably because of the lupus, which causes swelling, right? Causes swelling and also depending on the medication you're on. I mean, when I was in the hospital, they gave me, they were pounding me with prednisone. And... (sighs) When I first got diagnosed in 2012, I left the hospital, kid you not, I was 19, on 70 milligrams of prednisone a day. And I blew up. And I was like, okay, first of all, I'm still in college. This isn't a good look. <laughs> but, I mean, 70 grams of prednisone a day, that that's a lot. And then that's kind of, that's going back to where I was like, Ma, let's get a second opinion because... Mm-hmm. I can't keep taking this medication. It wasn't healthy. Yeah, the medication itself feels like it could kill you. Yeah, and it was just tiring. And then who wants to take like eight pills in the morning, six in the afternoon, and then eight at night? And I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to forget to take one. Like, oops. And then, you know, that's not the reason why I'm back in the hospital. It's something else is happening. But her point is that the medication can make you puffy. The, The change of weather, and to be honest with you, from being in Jersey, born and raised, so don't get me wrong, total Jersey girl, but the change of weather is huge there. And I mean, it was like 70 and then it went to 34 and then it went like it was hot again. And then it's like a nor'eastern. And my body in 2016, I was like not even able to open my car door because my hands were so swollen. So certain things that were affecting me, like I would lock up and I'm like, this isn't fun. And then, you know, my friend's like, why don't you move to Seattle? And I'm like, what? Seattle? It rains there all the time. And then... <laughs> I did, and I'm very happy. I actually listened to him, and I'm, we're very happy, and I couldn't be happier to be here. That's so <laughs> excellent. So, Wilma, when you mentioned Selena having a kidney transplant, mm-hmm. are the kidneys perhaps more affected by lupus? Because you see so many individuals and have been involved with the foundation for so long. Yeah, kidney is definitely one of the organs that is affected, but, you know, it can affect any organ. The brain, the heart, um, the lungs, really it's anything. The skin, the joints, 
It's unfortunately that lupus can't attack any part of the body. And that's what makes it, again, we go back to the word mystery. Mystery. That, yeah. It's the big you, mystery. Yeah. Yeah, Very. absolutely, because it, like uh, Michelle said, it just it took a while for her to get a diagnosis just because there are so many different things going on with the body, and lupus can be affecting one or more organs, so it kind of throws off uh, the doctors. But until they do some further testing and do an ANA test, um, that's when they can kind of narrow things down. But, yeah, it is a tough disease to diagnose. On average, it takes about six years and about four doctors to get a proper diagnosis. And that's, um, by that time, you know, things have progressed, the disease have progressed. Um, and that's why, as an organization, uh, the Lupus Foundation is trying to really um, press towards finding um, a cure and also finding better medications so that people with the disease now can have a better quality of life. And, and that's really so critical. Mm -hmm. And we want to give that some attention here in a yeah. moment. But first, let's mention, in terms of numbers, the numbers of people, when we look at the country or the the whole planet, who are affected by lupus. Yes. So the foundation um, has done a lot of surveys, and about 1.5 million people in the U.S. are affected by lupus, and then worldwide, about 5 million. Um, but we're still doing some studies, and we hope to get more accurate numbers. Um, but those are some of the numbers that we've been seeing from national surveys. So in, in one context, of course, that's a huge number. Yes. Then when we look at percentage-wise, then people would say, well, it's not that big a percentage, which is the problem, right? Because they say, well, it's not serious enough in terms of numbers, you know, to put those research dollars there. Well, it is serious enough, it and that's what, that's what we're trying to raise awareness of, yeah. because we want lupus to be a national health priority. Mm -hmm. And you're right, it's not getting the attention other diseases are getting, um, but that's what we're trying to do as a foundation is to raise awareness and make people know that it is a very, very prevalent disease, and that way we can try to get more research funding from the government um, and from private uh, corporations as well. And I think there's been some success in that, that the foundation has been instrumental. Yes, absolutely. Right. You know, our advocacy efforts have definitely paid off. And we actually were able to get a line item in the Department of Defense. Um, so they were able to appropriate $5 million for lupus-specific research, which is phenomenal for us. Um, that yeah. was, we did that about two years ago, and they have recommitted again. And, you know, we were on the Hill this past March lobbying for further research money from the NIH. Um, we got some of that money as well. So, yeah, we're, we're plugging along. We're doing as much as we can. Um, and we definitely need people like Michelle to speak up, mm -hmm. share their story so that we can educate the public so that they can know more about the disease. And then it comes to the point of this is great having the big dollar funding, mm -hmm. but I think as we all know, as we all come together, every donation, regardless of size, adds up and is making absolutely, a difference. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, every dollar, every cent makes a difference. If we all pull together, you know, small donations can lead to big changes and big, make a big difference. So the awareness of knowing how we can get involved. Now, here's the thing. You have what I think is a phenomenal event. Yeah. So unique. That has to be a way to really draw people in. It is. So last year, we started what's called the Great Unknown Challenge, and it is very specific to the Northwest. Um, it's kind of a different event. And what it is is we transport people 
to five undisclosed locations, and they have to do an unknown challenge at each. And the challenges will test their, well, they have to use their brain, brawn, and sense of adventure. So it's definitely different. You know, last year people were asking, well, what is it? It's like, well, that's the point. (laughs) You don't know. That's the great unknown challenge. But I will say, you know, last year we had uh, five different challenges. One was a, a brain challenge. They had to figure out some puzzles. Um, one was a indoor rowing challenge where they had to row 500 meters against a national team person <laughs> on an indoor <laughs> rowing machine. They got a 10-second head start, but it was still fun. One was a wine and chocolate challenge, which was yeah. a favorite for many. <laughs> um, another was a dance challenge where people had to replicate certain dance movement. And then the last one was a shot put and javelin challenge. And they were taught how to throw both of those apparatuses by um, past Olympians. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, it it's a lot of fun. Like great fun. And calling it the unknown really parallels, doesn't it? It's the exactly. Mysteriousness. Lupus. You got the point, right. Kate. Yeah. That yeah. is exactly the point <laughs> of the name. And that is exactly the point of the event itself. So, yeah, people just show up. We stick them in a bus. We don't tell them where they're going or what they're doing. But at the end, when they come back, they are smiling and they just have a ton of fun. So we're super excited. This year's event is on May 19th. We definitely want people to register and they can register by going to thegreatunknownchallenge.org. And, you know, we certainly want people to fundraise as well because at the end of the day, this is all about raising money as well. While we're planning a great event for people to have fun, the bottom line is we do try to raise money so that we can find cures and we can help people with lupus now by finding better medications for them. Exactly. And you have uh, just under a month, but still a good chunk of time to uh, get your family and friends Absolutely. Uh, on board. Absolutely. But you have to register because there is a limit on the number of people. There is a limit. Uh, the limit is 250 people. We're trying to make this a quality event. Mm-hmm. You know, another fun part of the um, event is the more money you raise, the more hints we give you. Uh So um, it's pretty cool. (laughs) So, you know, if you raise 100 bucks, we'll give you kind of a clue to one of the challenges. If you raise, you know, 1,000 bucks, we'll let you know actually what one of the challenges are. And then it just keeps going. Um, So it's it's a really fun and unique event, and that's what we're really hoping – for people to latch on to, just something different. Absolutely. So that is really intriguing. There's another event coming up early in the fall that's the, anyone and everyone yes, can participate Yes, absolutely. In. We have our annual Walk to End Lupus Now, which is on September 22nd. Um, we're going to have that at Gasworks. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a walk. It's a beautiful location. Um, we have the lake and the city um, as our backdrop. And it's just a way to raise awareness and funds as well. Um, but it's a great way for the lupus community to come together and really support each other. And I'm sure that there's a way for people who like to volunteer in the Northwest. You would like to know this, Michelle. The Northwest is really big on volunteering. <laughs> There's other opportunities. There are absolutely lots of other opportunities. There are opportunities for people to advocate on uh, the lupus community's behalf. There are opportunities for people to become part of the fundraising committees. There are opportunities for people to become ambassadors for the organization. 
And, you know, if people are interested, just go to our website, lupus.org forward slash Pacific Northwest. Just kind of peruse the website. And if you're interested, our contact information is down there. And just give us a holler. We'd love to have everyone um, help us out. Great. And just as you heard, Michelle, you decided because you have the condition, but I mean, anybody who just wants to be involved and find something here, it's a mystery, Right. you would say, come on in. Yeah. yeah. I emailed the organization. I was on my Instagram and I was like, you know what? It's been kind of like in my head, like I want to do something that has you know, meaning to myself and I'm obviously. And then I honestly just emailed Within 24 hours, I want to say actually within an hour, I got an email from Lauren and I was like, wow, this was really fast. And I'm reading, I'm like, oh my God, she actually lives where I work. This is like a small world that's just coming on in. I'm like, wow, this is great. And then, you know, I went to the event at the hospital and now I'm here meeting Wilma. I'm like, you know, it's happening very fast. But, you know, like you said, like the lupus, if you actually look at the logo, the, the P is a question mark. It's, it's just unknown. It, it can be anything. And I think that's what's so alarming is that not many people know what this is. And that it can affect anything, any or- organ. Like, I feel like yes. I could pick it out of a hat and like, hey, what's going to bother me today? Oh, your knees are going to be swollen. Cool. Let's move on. Like, it can be anything where it's other awarenesses are just focused on specifics where it's like, like Selena Gomez, her kidney failed. You know, that's a common thing that I've heard and met a lot of people who have. But, mm-hmm. you know, mine's not kidney. Mine's more of like my joints and my muscles and just it can yeah. be anything any day. So yeah. every day is a new day and definitely a new adventure. <laughs> yes. And because of that randomness, the mysteriousness of it, and even though perhaps we look at those, no- I think the numbers are huge. You talk about a million and a half people. That's massive. Huge. And it can just strike out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I think we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the community, to to just health in general, to participate. And we have many good reasons, I think, through the stories that you both shared. Wilma, thank you. And Michelle, many thanks for being here and being so open about your story and about what we can all do, Wilma. Yeah, thank you for yeah, having thank us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. And with that, we are at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Wilma Komenat and Michelle Morrison and Sunday Morning Magazine with Christian Davenport. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your having shared this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage, click on the On Air tab, then Sunday mornings, and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of creating adventure in your life. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9, the station to pick you up and make you feel good. Good morning.